It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, and yes! Touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric France and Jason Walker. You're on the Full Court Press, 435-339-0321. If you want to chime in, love to hear from you uh, over the course of the show. We've had a lot of great feedback the last couple of days. Love to keep that rolling. Uh, continue to get uh, ready for Utah State and Weber State to kick off Saturday late afternoon on Merlin Olsen Field. Should be a beautiful day for a football game. Uh, kickoff will be at 5, which means KVNU game day coverage will begin at 3.30. Simulcast here on the fan as well. Uh, I know that Al Lewis and Craig Kislip have uh, put together a lot of interesting stuff there about the game. Uh, you can always count on them for doing great homework, great analysis, and unique and exclusive audio, uh, getting you ready for the uh, the matchup between two in-state teams. Um, Jay Hill. And, uh, and Hayden Meacham met with the media, so we'll hear from uh, them, their thoughts about the matchup. Uh, and uh, the NFL kicks off tonight. The NFL season officially underway later this evening. And so on the uh, really the last few hours before the NFL gets going, we'll start to share some of our thoughts and predictions about the upcoming season and love to get yours also. 435-339-0321. To chime in today. Yeah, we've we've waited till the eleventh hour to do our NFL predictions, but that's a good time to do it because you can get in all the information you want. You can procrastinate as much as you want, but we finally have ours. We'll give a variety of different kinds of predictions, just different things we think about. You know, who's going to win the divisions, who might be MVP, pretty standard stuff. Unless yeah. Eric wants to pop any random questions out there. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll that use that as for. a starter. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we're gonna see how things go with uh, how prepared or not I'm. I may be, but love to get your thoughts on yeah. things as we roll through. But um, we did get a few texts last night that we didn't get to, and one actually that came through early this morning. Um, and so uh, first, this is from five three three eight. We never had a chance to read this. Uh, hey, Coach Anderson, I'm not totally happy with the way my team performed last Saturday. Can we have a do-over? Signed, Nick S. And also <laughs> said a disappointing score would be 55-0. to zero. We, were, we were talking about you know how – what does the point spread need to be on this one for USU to not be considered a disappointing win? Yeah, the Weber State game. For the Weber State that. coming up this weekend. She's being a little sarcastic there. Yeah. Um, another text. This came through early this morning from 4957. For Eric and Jason, I'm in a different time zone, so I can't ever listen to the Full Court Press show live. I have a USU football question. What's up with the bad risk play calling? The early fourth and long on our 40 versus Alabama, then we punt on a fourth and one in their territory. Reminded me of the failed fake punt against BYU last year that put us behind early. What's the logic behind those risks? I don't see the upside. 
and then adds, I'm all for being aggressive, but these risks do not seem like good calculations. I think I was in the minority in that I didn't mind doing that. Uh, I think it was only like fourth and three or fourth and four on our own. It was on our own. It was in our territory, so it's definitely a risk. And that ended up setting up Alabama's, I think, their first touchdown. Or maybe their second touchdown. Um, I kind of liked it. Um, I'm trying to remember the play they ran. I might be confusing it with a different one. I think the play they ended up running, if I'm remembering it right, was they threw the ball 15 yards down the field on, like, fourth and three. I was like, what? What, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> then the announcers ended up pointing out that they had a drag route. Yeah, underneath were, or maybe a slant route, just in an in inside slant. Like that guy was basically wide open. There <laughs> so was like, a play to have been made. Yeah, it was just it felt like a scripted throw rather than making the correct read. Yes, whether that's what the offensive play call calls for, just tells Bonner to make that throw, or was Bonner just misreading the defense and saying, "All right, I think I got this 15 yard route," and there was a miscommunication anyway, so the ball didn't even have a chance to get to the receiver. Maybe if he read the defense and saw all the space over the middle and said, all right, if I put the ball in the right spot, it's really hard to stop a receiver over the middle from catching the ball unless you have perfect positioning, which the corner didn't on that play. So, I mean, a lot of people didn't like the fact they went for it on fourth down. I liked it. Didn't so much like what they did, but I liked the aggressiveness there. But it was kind of inconsistent because, as this texture points out, we punted on fourth and one later in the game. So, you know, the reason I was kind of okay with that first fourth down was we'd finally gotten some momentum, maybe try and extend the drive. It's a nice risk or it's a worthwhile risk because you can extend a possession where you'd started finally getting something. Take advantage of your own momentum by taking a risk. But then later they didn't do that on an easier fourth down, which that was one of the confusing bits for me is it was – spotty aggression that didn't seem to have any logical through line, at least that we can see uh, from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind taking risks. Uh, yeah, the, the one last year, that was that was a bit mind-boggling. They yeah. were so deep in their own territory. That, I, that was bizarre. I ended up asking the coach after the game. I don't know if I worded the question well enough and didn't kind of press him on it, but I, I tried to ask him, was that just scripted that you were going to go for it on do a fake punt? Because that's what it felt like, that they, were, they just said, we're going to do a fake punt on our first drive if we fail. Because otherwise it makes no sense. Yeah, just the position on the field, time on the clock. I mean, yeah, there's still a lot of time left, but that point on the field against a really good team, that was, that was a little suspect. They'd been playing good on defense. They played good on defense for most of the game. But that was a huge turning point. Yeah. But as far as last week, yeah, you know, this, this team has shown uh, uh, like against UConn, they, they tried to go for it on fourth down. Uh, you know, there was a, a, an overthrow from, by Levi Williams in the UConn game. It was an there. Over, an overthrow on a four-yard pass. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was there, there to be made. So I, I don't mind this, this coaching staff putting faith in its players and rolling into, rolling into dice, saying we have confidence in you, but it's on the players to make the right read and then make the right throw. Yeah. Well, it's also on the coaches to make the right call. They need to put their players in the best position. You know, 
the fourth down play where Levi overthrows his guy. That was a good play call, actually. That was a good play call. Players didn't execute. This, you know, this last game where maybe if the play call was 15-yard throw down the sideline on fourth and three, that's not the best play call. Or maybe it was on the player. That one's a little harder to tell because you may not know what was, if it's kind of a scripted thing. But I do like the calculated risks on fourth down. Sometimes it's worth it to go on fourth down, even in your own territory. Um, Because then there is a risk-reward. And not everybody agrees with what's the best strategy, but I, I personally like going for it on fourth down every now and again. And it paid off at times last year. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I, I'd rather see a coach go for some risks uh, than just always playing conservative. But you're right. Either ask, there's a time and a place deep in your own territory – when you're you have like more than just a few yards to gain, just punt it away. If it's more than like fourth and four, and accepting times where you're down big and you got to go for it anyway, if it's more than fourth and four, I'm saying just punt it. Unless you're like right on the edge of field goal range, because you know at that point you're on like the 35 yard line. What's the difference? Unless it's like fourth and thirty, then maybe don't. <laughs> but generally speaking, if you're if you're within fourth and four, I can accept going for it in most places on the field. There's a, there's a bit of a spectrum here on how far and what yard line are you on. But generally speaking, if it's fourth and short, and you feel like you can get it, go for it. Just so long as you're taking into account all the things that matter: the score, time on the time on the clock, all that. There's tons of factors, but I do like going for it on fourth down more than, you know, what's happened in the past. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I, If it's a, a matter of you know, keeping a drive alive, keeping momentum, keeping your opponent on its, uh, on its heels, um, then, yeah, if, if you feel like you've got the matchup that's in your favor, yeah, go for it. If it's a matter of uh, trying to swing momentum your way, uh, I think you have to try to go for it. But if it's early in the game and you're just trying to see what you can get, uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, going for it on fourth down in the first quarter very rarely seems like a good idea because there's just so much time left. You, you don't have to be impatient. And there's right. no there's no momentum on either side at that point. No. So you're not trying to keep anything. It's just like, all right. And you really don't know what your matchups look like for the game. Yeah. Yet. So it's like, all right. It didn't work this time, so the fourth quarter you punt it away. And you got the rest of the game to catch up or do whatever. But you know, once you get further on, things change. And that's where going for it on fourth down in certain situations makes more sense than punting. Now, it used to be the people, you know, they'd punt on their opponent's, like, 38-yard line. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> why? It's kind of why high school football is kind of interesting because – they go for it on fourth down basically anywhere between like the 50 and 25-yard line because what else are they going to lose? Right, yeah. Their kickers can't make anything more than like 35 yards on most cases unless you're with like five or six A-teams that have actual kickers. And if you don't get it, oh, no, I gave up the ball on the 38-yard line. Whatever will I do? It's like, 
That's why high school football can be pretty fun. Because <laughs> they, they're not afraid to go for it on fourth down in a large chunk of the field. Whereas in college, that chunk of the field is like maybe between the 40 and 30 on your opponent's side of the field. Depending on how good your kicker is. Right. Yeah. And, and their control of punts is also a little bit different. How far they can punt the ball away. Yeah. Uh, 6865 on our full court press text line. I'm just saying we want Bama at Merlin Olsen Field. I don't know if Nick Saban would condescend to doing such a thing. <laughs> He'd be like, holy crap, there's only like 30,000 people here. Yeah, that would never happen. Yeah. We'd have to pay them the $1.92 million back <laughs> to get them to come here, and they still might not even do it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun, though, right? That would be amazing. We got, like, number three Oregon to come here in women's basketball. That's the best we've done in a while in terms of ranked opponents coming to, uh, to Utah State to play in pretty much any sport. Was, Except maybe a track invitational or something. Was, um, I can't think of his last name. I want to call him Joey Heisman. Was it with Oregon when they came to town all those years ago? Were they ranked that year when they came to town? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I don't have the media guide in front of me. Which, sp- which sport was this? This was in football. This was in football? I would not know, unfortunately. Anyway, we'll double check. <laughs> Figure it but out. But outside of BYU, Utah, or a conference opponent like Boise State or San Diego State, um, getting a ranked opponent in in Logan is extremely rare. I don't yeah. know if it's happened. I, 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 Oregon probably was ranked that year. Probably. They're, they're ranked a lot of years. But, yeah, it is just – I don't – it's probably been forever and a day since a non-conference opponent – Ranked, came to Utah State. I, I can't think of anything. <laughs> it's just like it, it doesn't happen in basketball. No. It's happened a few times, but in football, there's, there's just no reason for any good team to come to Utah State in non-conference. Right, stadium's too small. Uh, this just doesn't. You know, the the risk is 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 there. They'd rather go play in a bigger stadium against a more recognized opponent. Yeah. It's like when you're playing teams that you think are below you, you want to host them because you'll end, a lot of times you end up playing, you're paying them, and so you got to make that up in your ticket revenue. Right. Yep. So there's no point in really any P5 team coming to Utah State unless Utah State's not getting paid, in which case why is Utah State playing them? Because <laughs> they're probably going to get their butts kicked. Right. Uh, nine three one five. When Nick retires, maybe we could use Bama as a warm up game at Maverick. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know who's going to succeed Saban. Still, still won't happen. No. no. It'd be funny if Alabama just started being terrible after Saban retires. We can dream. We can dream. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So let's do this. Uh, we're going to call a, a timeout now. Uh, want to give make sure we give ourselves time. I uh, want to get into some NFL talk. NFL season getting underway tonight. Uh, you got a couple of games. Well, you got one game tonight, I should say. Yeah, just one the game one. tonight. Uh, and then it really gets in going in earnest on Sunday. But it's the Bills at the Rams, six twenty kickoff on NBC this evening. And so, uh, what are you thinking about this upcoming NFL season? Who are the NFL or who are the Super Bowl opponents going to look like? Uh, how do you think this uh, season's going to shake out? Could be some 
returning stars. Could be some familiar uh, favorites who we haven't seen in a minute coming back. Could be some upstarts. I think it's kind of an intriguing NFL season, to be honest, that I don't know that there's uh, clear runaway favorites, and there's some reasons for that. So I'd love to get your thoughts, your predictions on the upcoming NFL season, 435-339-0321. Also coming up, we'll hear more from uh, Coach Blake Anderson. We'll hear from Coach Jay Hill. Uh, and as we continue to give our predictions and, and previews for Utah State and Weber State coming up on Saturday, and uh, continue to get your reactions as well. 435-339-0321. Loveland Living Planet Aquarium takes us outside our everyday lives into a world of discovery. It's a chance to explore our innate curiosity, discover animals from around the world, and experience the all-new outdoor plaza and eco. More to explore at Loveland Living Planet Aquarium. Reserve your visit at thelivingplanet.com. What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep, a better mattress. IntelliBed, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Walmart. Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10 is tasty and quick. Elements' lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m., Visit TheElementsRestaurant.com for reservations today. Sunday on Compass Media Network's coverage of the NFL. It's a week one matchup of two Super Bowl contenders as Patrick Mahomes leads the Chiefs against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Hi, this is Chris Carino. Join Brian Baldinger and me for all the action as we kick off the new season in style with two of the league's top quarterbacks dueling in the desert. It's the Arizona Cardinals and the Kansas City Chiefs. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Babbling Instant Oil Change is open every day of the week now at 695 North Main in Logan. Quick, clean, and easy, just how it should be. When it comes to getting your oil changed, so stop in today or really any day this week. So, Jason doing some quick research. And uh, that was probably the last time a non 
Utah non BYU non conference opponent was ranked in the top twenty five who made the trip to uh, to Logan, and that was Oregon. And what was the year, and what were they ranked? So it was two thousand one. The Joey Harrington led. Oregon Ducks, thanks to 8791, he pointed that out to us. It, that was the name that came to my head when you said Joey, but I was like, can't be Joey Harrington. It has to be somebody else. Because I didn't know that Joey Harrington played for Oregon. My knowledge of who went to what college only goes back about 10 years. Uh, so, yeah. That was, it was, it was, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Sixth-ranked Oregon came to Utah State September 29, 2001. Uh only beat Utah State 38-21, so, I mean, not the worst, you know, defeat for Utah State. Obviously, 18-point loss. <laughs> not close, but could have been worse. Yeah, could have been worse. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement in town. They have a, a top-10 football team in Logan. I mean, un, unprecedented. Yeah, I'm going through the years trying to see if anybody else came to Utah. 15th-ranked Utah Came to Utah State, like so. That's not the. Uh, that wasn't the criteria we're looking at. Just slowly going through each year. Yeah, nothing happened in mid two thousands. Yeah, not not a lot there. Had some conference opponents. Like BYU came to town one year when they were in the top ten. Boise State came to town when they were both in the whack. Yeah, outside of a a conference opponent. That could be San Diego State or Air Force, Boise State, Fresno State. Those are different teams, Hawaii, who've been in the top 25 before when Utah State's been in their same conference. Um, or a non-conference opponent like Utah or, or BYU, an in-state matchup with those schools. Outside of that criteria, Oregon is probably the only team in the modern era that's been a ranked team non-conference team to come to uh, visit the friendly confines on Merlin Olsen Field. They are. I am confirming that. That is because now I'm into the 2019s, 2020s, and now I just have the knowledge that, no, nobody's come in the last few years. So, yeah, 2001, the last time, I didn't bother to go the other direction and see if it happened before. But, yeah, so it's been a Extremely rare. It's been a while, and it'll probably be a while. Yes. Because it still hasn't happened. Well, it's extremely rare to get a, a, a P5 school here. I yeah, mean, it's only handle, happened a handful of times in the last 25 years. Yeah, so it's like you've got to get them to come, and usually it's kind of maybe a week or one. And then you know you schedule them a few years in advance, so maybe they could end up being ranked if they have a good year before. Then they could end up, you know, if they have a bit of a resurgence. Then they get ranked, then they come to Utah State, but... It'll be a minute before that happens. Yes. Now, Washington State was supposed to, but that was in the COVID year. Uh, Wake Forest a few years back. Um, you know, it was – but outside of you know, Utah, which made their last trip here, what, six, seven years ago, eight years ago? Um, you know, it was home in 2012. They went to Utah – in 2013. I don't know if it stopped after 2013. I think Matt Wells had one year against them. Gosh, I'm really hating not having my media guide in here with me. Let I, me uh, let's back it up, back it up, back it up. Uh, while you look at that, we'll go back to our text line here. Um, this is from 5821. Any word yet on when you guys are going to get back on TuneIn? I've been able to listen from my office for weeks now. Missed the show. Uh, yeah, the tune-in thing. That's been a mess. 
we've tried to correct it. We have tried working with TuneIn because there were a number of our stations that they had messed up. So we sent them a list of what it should look like and where those streams should be pointing. And they completely got it wrong. And we're pointing the wrong stations to the wrong dial positions, and wrong streams. So we've reached out multiple times. And we're, we had conversations about this earlier today. So our frustration level in this building is very high. Very high. That way somebody texted in the other day and says, when I turn, turn it on on TuneIn, I'm hearing soft rock. Uh, somebody texted in. Possibly, well. yes. You may have been, I don't know if you were in the room, I don't know if you were there when I, when I read that text. But we stream, uh, you stream us on our website, 1069thefan.com. Don't bother with TuneIn. TuneIn's becoming a joke. I know it's a great source of finding a lot of stuff, but they're becoming jerks to deal with for a lot of people in the radio industry. And then when they make a mistake, they don't fix it. They make it worse. So uh, just go to our app. Go straight to our app. Download the 106.9 The Fan app or pull us up on our website, 1069thefan.com. Just go straight to our source. Don't mess around with that crap third-party tune-in. Sorry, I'm on a rant. But we're... Tell us how you really feel, Eric. We are really, really frustrated with those guys. Because it's not just our station here. We've had multiple in our building that they've screwed up. And there's no responsibility to fix it. I think tune-ins run by BYU fans. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) On top of that, now they're starting to just play blatant ads over the top of your programming. And it, which we don't get any revenue from that, and they're messing up our programming. It, it's it's a it's a long, frustrating trail that we've been going down here. So best just go to use our app, or pull up the uh, our our website 1069thefan.com. Stream it straight from there. So in doing the research while you went on that rant, uh, 2012 is the last time Utah came here. Actually, uh, we went to Utah in 2013. Uh, they didn't play in 2014. I want to say maybe Utah canceled that or something. They backed out. There's something around, something along those lines bouncing around in my memory. That may or may not be true. But then Utah State went to Utah in 2015, and that's, I believe, the last time they've played. So. Okay. And I think maybe that's why I feel like they may have backed out in 2014 because then they played again in 2015 when it was Utah's turn to be a home. And then that was it. Utah's been too chicken to play since. Yeah. Because whatever. And they probably want to just say, have it be a one-off in right. Utah. Right. They, I don't think they ever want to come back here. We'll play you if you come to Salt Lake. Basically, they don't want to commit to more than one year against Utah State. Because, you know, they want to play. But they'll play Fresno State. Yeah, they'll play Fresno. They'll play, like, UVU or whoever. I don't, think, I don't know if they played yeah. UVU in football. <laughs> they don't have football. They'll, they'll schedule Northern Illinois. Yeah, they'll they'll like they say, oh, we don't want to play you know these middling G five teams, but yeah, they play Fresno State and Northern Illinois and like all these other teams. Like, what's wrong with playing us then? Utah State's a bowl team. I mean, the vast majority of the last 10, 12 years, they've been bowl, uh, uh, been a bowl team. They've uh, been a top twenty five multiple ranked team multiple times over that period. It doesn't hurt to play Utah State. It doesn't damage your RPI or whatever, your strength of schedule. It doesn't hurt you to play the Aggies. Yeah. And you're probably going to win, too, because Utah's a better program. 
So they're probably going to beat Utah State's, especially because it's going to be in Utah or in Salt Lake City, excuse me. So, like I said, I, I think I said this before. I can understand. I don't know if I said it on air. I may have just said it to somebody, but I can understand Utah not playing Utah State every year. There's plenty of reasons for that. Not playing them ever makes no sense. Right. Yep. Finding a way to get them on the schedule at some point here and there should be able to be done. Yeah, but Utah. And I won. thought forever it was uh, their AD that was the one that was you know messing up with that. But they've had a change in AD and still nothing's changed. Yeah, it's just it's just a prevalent prevalent mentality uh, on the hill. Yeah, and it's happening in basketball too. So right. But you know what? Everybody around here gives Utah a pass. But BYU does the same thing, and my gosh, get the pitchforks and the torches, and let's uh, let's circle the campus. I, I, I've never understood that. Why Utah gets away with it, but we can't let BYU get away with it. We should be just as upset about what Utah's doing, if not more so. But it, it's going to be harder to do future scheduling with BYU. I mean, they've already canceled future schedules. Yeah. With the Aggies. There's, there's a lot of hate toward BYU in general. For reasons that we won't go into. For instance, who owns BYU? There's a, there's a lot of kind of hate that goes into that. A lot of it's unwarranted, and then there's well, a lot there's a lot of people that are the same members of that of that very same faith. So yeah. that's you know whatever. Uh, eight nine six eight. From what I understand, the reason Oregon came to town that year was the Aggie coach and the Oregon coach were good friends. So the. Oregon coach convinced the AD to condescend to coming to Logan. Let's go that's give a, him one. Let's go give him one. That's a heck of a job I am if that's the case. I mean, of course, I can't, I can't think of any better explanation, so I have no reason to doubt this. But, yeah, that, that's pretty crazy that he would be able to pull that off. Yeah. Big-time coup. So good on the Oregon coach, <laughs> whoever it was at the time. For I doing that. I can probably look it up. I still have the page pulled up. Who was the Oregon coach? In 2001? My, Mike Bellotti? I don't know if that's how you say it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know who Utah State's coach was back then. Uh, that would have been Dennehy. Uh, sure yes. Mick Dennehy that, yeah. still that year. Yeah, it was. He was coach for a few more years, including the two Sun Belt years. That was weird. Those were weird times. Remember I had an old like NCAA football game. And it was actually it was like the 2005 version, which was the 2004 season, basically. And I went back and played it like the other, like sometime last year. I pulled it up on like an emulator. I looked at Utah State. And I was like, Sun Belt? Wait, what? <laughs> Why are they in the Sun Belt? Yeah, there was the Independence time. There yeah. was the Sun Belt. Yeah, the 2001 when Oregon came to Utah State, that was their first of two years in Independence after uh, leaving the Big West. Well, not so much leaving the Big West. Didn't the Big West collapse that year? Big West, yeah. Big West just essentially stopped um, sanctioning football. And so Utah State was just kind of floundering there for a bit. Of, so you know, if if the Sun Belt had not given Utah State a lifeline, within a year they would have dropped the FCS. I mean, they were heading that direction. Yeah. They barely hung on. Yeah. Isn't that what happened to the skyline? Didn't the skyline collapse? Or did Utah State just leave it? 
Uh, let's even go back even further. I'm not sure. Because that was, you know, John Ralston, he was there the first year where Utah State went independence in 1962. They were independent for like 15 years. And I think it had something to do with the skyline just not existing. Maybe I should. Again, I've got this stuff pulled up, so maybe I can do some <laughs> quick research. While you like, do that, a couple of texts coming through. 9315. I've never given YBU or Utah a pass in playing, and I have two cousins that played football for Utah. Yeah, Utah State. You. Utah State fans and media never give Utah. Well, they'll give more, more uh, hate to BYU, and they just kind of live with Utah. Um, so it's, it's kind of more to your point. It's like we hate on uh, on BYU more so than Utah. There's no love for the University of Utah. We just kind of forget them, in a way, in the same way they forget about us. <laughs> um, yeah, so it is like. We do give more hate to BYU, and it's not necessarily for religious reasons. It's just that, for some reason, Utah State seems to hate BYU more, which is interesting. Utah also seems to hate BYU more. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Does everyone just gangs up on BYU? Yeah, that's true. It's like two of the major fan bases in the in the state. Maybe figure this out. Two fan bases in the state don't like BYU. So. It's BYU against the world. We're against the state of Utah. <laughs> really, it is. But they, they, you know, they got some big voices. You know, they have an entire newspaper that's completely dedicated to covering them. It's true. Uh, a couple more texts coming through. Five eight two one. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised with this playoff expansion. You don't see Utah willing to play more games like that at Logan, etc. More local games. Recruiting footprints also matter. Where Utah wants to play out of conference games. Yeah, and there's there's some reasons. Like I said, they they shouldn't be playing Utah State every year. You know, if I'm looking at the from looking at this from their you know, their interests, they shouldn't play Utah State every year. Once or twice a decade, probably, you could pull it off. You know, that there aren't a whole lot of negatives. They're just about zero negatives. Like one year you give up playing maybe a road game against somebody or you know, you, you give up bringing in Louisiana Tech or whatever. Like, you, you can bring in Utah State you once You can still two. make it work. Yeah, like I said, you you can make it work. And, by the way, up, updated my research. Um, on the sports reference, you know, you can go year by year and look at the Skyline Conference. Last year they have is 1961. I got nothing after that. Because there's, like, usually a thing where you can go to previous year, next year. Go to 1961, that's where it ends. <laughs> that's where it ends. So, uh, 8968, of all things, the year the Aggies played Oregon, instead of being in Utah, I was in Oregon visiting my daughter. <laughs> that's an interesting switch of fates right there. You want to go to Alabama next year? <laughs> Get Alabama here. Maybe that happens. Something flips it around. 8798, that's because no one can stand BYU's fan base. That's part of it. They are, they have generally been the most insufferable. Ute fans aren't too much better, and I will say this, Utah State fans have a tendency to get too big for their britches after some good years. Of course, they haven't had much to cling on, so what else are they going to do? It's not atypical behavior for any fan base. But, I, yeah, BYU, they are, they can be a little annoying. Huh. Especially their media. Like, Utah media isn't that bad. BYU media can be a, 
Like yes. I, I I can't follow really any of the BYU media because it just becomes insufferable to a point. Right, because they're always right. They're always the best. They're you know, they find whatever obscure statistic to uh to, you know to to make sure they highlight that they're doing something no one else can do or ever has done. And they will ride that pony like nothing else. Yeah. Like I said, the thing I always say is that if Utah State won the football national championship, the Deseret News would run a – on the front page, they'd run a story about how BYU got like a three-star recruit in basketball. And on like page three, it'd be Utah State. <laughs> and that's just – because that's, that's how much that some outlets love to cover BYU. And then BYU has its own BYU TV and whatnot, which so there's just yeah. most of the media attention converges on BYU. The Tribune is like the one exception where they're a little more towards the Utes. And then obviously up here we focus on Cache Valley. So there's you just get a lot of BYU shoved down your throat if you're anywhere on the Wasatch front. Yeah, that's true. Uh, another quick text, then we got to get a timeout. This is from 6804. Does BYU, Utah, and USU pull from the same pool of athletes? For example, do they all uh, afford this, uh, the same amount of Utah athletes? Um, if, there's a, if there are good athletes in the state of Utah, they're all going after them. Yeah, generally. There's no uh, question about that. BYU and Utah generally pull the best. Well, the best of the best go out of state. Um, and then kind of that second tier go to BYU-Utah. Maybe BYU-Utah kind of get a couple of those top-tier recruits and keep them in state. Um, but generally a lot of those tier two Utah athletes will go to BYU and Utah. Utah State's getting kind of the tier three. Or maybe they'll sneak a tier two guy in. So U- Utah State's not really competing with BYU and Utah a ton at least actually competing for the same athletes. Usually Utah State just has to go over some of the guys that BYU and Utah maybe look over, with some exceptions, obviously. Yeah, uh, and in uh, 6804 clarifies, uh, for example, do they attract the same amount of Utah athletes? If you're looking just raw numbers, I mean, it's probably pretty similar. I haven't looked at it, but I mean, most of Utah State's roster are Utah guys. And a lot of Utah and BYU's guys are from good, Utah. There's a good chunk, yeah. Um, Which is pretty typical of any state. Whatever state you're in, you know, the college, most of their roster is going to be comprised of people from that state with really only a handful of exceptions, probably usually if you're a team on, like, the border of your state. Or if you're, like, a, you know, Air Force or something like that. It's a service yeah. academy. It's different. And possibly Boise Stakes. I don't know if Idaho yeah, produces a ton of... Yeah, that's of, a good point. If, if you're in a maybe a, a state like an Idaho or a North Dakota or something like that. Wyoming. Wyoming, that's another one, where you know, population becomes an issue. Not where a large just, pool to draw from. Yeah, so. There's actually a lot of northern Colorado players that go to, uh, go to up to Laramie. Yeah, so, yeah, there, there can be there's some, some exceptions to be had generally... Teams will mostly pull from their their state. And Utah, Utah State, BYU, no exception. I, I saw something earlier. I'm wishing I could think of the stat, but I saw something like what percentage of Utah State's roster were from the state of Utah, and I can't remember what it was. It was something around half or more than half. 
Uh, that'd probably be in this week's release. Yeah, it, a, it was in, it was in the notes. Weber State. Yeah, I was going probably through the, the notes. notes. That's where I saw it, and I can't remember, and I don't have it pulled up to look for it. All right, well, we'll try to find that. Uh, we'll uncover that. We'll continue to also uh, look at Utah State and Weber State. We'll preview our thoughts about the NFL season getting underway tonight. Uh, game one tonight on NBC. Uh, what are your predictions for the upcoming NFL season? We're going to be carrying games here on the fan on Sundays, so that's going to be fun. We'll we'll, uh, continue to preview those and let you know what those games look like as well. Uh, uh, Pick 6 a little bit later on, too, so stick around for all that here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. This year's Grand Latino Festival is Saturday, September 17th on Center Street in Logan. All are invited to celebrate the Latin culture with delicious food, lively music, dancing in the streets, and cultural performances. Festivities get underway at 4 p.m. with a parade of flags and authentic Latin dress. Then work off the calories to everyone's favorite dance-based workout, Zumba. This year's Latino Festival is presented by Gosner Foods, where you can earn between $15 and $20 an hour, quarterly bonuses, and free health insurance. Members First Credit Union, our name says it all. Thermo Fisher Scientific, Thermo Fisher is hiring. Join their team today. iFit, a global company committed to diversity and inclusion, welcomes everyone to the Latino Festival. Bring your family, your friends, and especially your appetite to the Grand Latino Festival, Saturday, September 17th, starting at 4 p.m. on Logan Center Street. Your first and goal at the 10-yard line with seconds left on the clock. Your running back is poised for the game-winning touchdown, but before you can make the snap, the opposing team just takes the ball and locks it in a safe, and they won't give you the combination unless you pay them $10,000. That's exactly how ransomware works. And in 2021, two out of every three organizations fell victim to ransomware attacks. Protect your business with Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. We would like to welcome Prodigy Brewing to the heart of Logan. Cash Valley's first and only brew pub with family-friendly dining. With an upscale twist on classic brew pub fare and ingredients sourced as local as possible, they are thrilled to be part of the heart of Cash Valley. Bring the family and try their wood-fired pizza or their mouth-watering signature burger. Located on beautiful Center Street, open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pizza, burgers, and brews. Mmm, tasty. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in Providence and Cash Valley's newest and most up-to-date medical clinic located at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan, just south of Cash Valley Hospital. The entire staff and Dr. Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art medical facility. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan. Go to cashvalleyent.com for details. Most insurance products, including select men are accepted. Calling all Aggie football fans, this Saturday, September 10th, come and tailgate with Valley Office Systems. Starting at 2 p.m. before the Weber State game, come and join us for food, drinks, and fun. Everyone is invited. Look for the Valley Office Systems tent and cheer your Aggies on. Go Aggies! It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson and Jason Walker. The NFL season getting underway tonight. It's the Bills at the Rams. 6-20 on NBC tonight. Uh, have you seen the line on this game? This the is, uh, spread? The spread, it's yeah. Two and a half for the Bills, right? Yeah. I saw that like 40 minutes ago, so that's why. Okay, I've, um, I was researching over the break, and I finally found what I was looking for. You're talking about players from Utah on Utah State. Utah State has 34 players on its roster, which actually is below 50%, I think. Because I think they have like 80 or 90 on the team. Total. That's where most teams are, kind of 80 or 90. Weber State has 52. So they're probably a little over half. Yeah. So that seems to be pretty fair range. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what the number is for Utah or BYU. Yeah. I would suspect it would be similar to what Utah State's is. Yeah, I'd say similar, maybe a little less. Um, cause Utah doesn't produce a ton of good recruits. They produce some good ones, but not a lot of them. And then, and, but that has been increasing. Yeah, it's been getting better. It used to be they'd produce almost nobody. Now they are producing good guys. You can kind of see that in the way that the top guys are getting recruited by a lot of teams outside the state. Well, Alabama's top tight end is from Utah. Yeah, he says you, you get some big guys. Uh, going to big programs from Utah, and that used to happen very rarely. And so the best guys were going to Utah and BYU. So to be honest, Utah and BYU are probably get less from Utah than they used to. I don't know. And that's, that uh, certainly could be changing with BYU with a new focus on the South, uh, where it's going to be playing a lot of games in the Big 12. Uh, so the South and the Midwest, um, that could change what their recruiting footprint looks like. Yeah, and, and the bigger you get as far as being an, a more national program, that's where you can get the bigger recruits from elsewhere. Like with Weber State, you know, half their roster is from the state of Utah because they're an FCS team in you know northern Utah. They kind of have to get players from like around where they are because it can be a little harder to attract recruits from elsewhere. Um. They're actually probably getting better since they're a good FCS team. It's probably helping because good FCS teams are actually able to recruit surprisingly well. They can get some good players. That's you get, true. You get NFL players on FCS team almost on the regular now. That happens. So I think Carson Wentz was FCS, I want to say. Yes, he was. And then Trey Lance was also FCS and probably some others that I'm not thinking of. Uh, 2409 texting and a quick look at Alabama's roster shows 38 from the state of Alabama. Yeah, so... You get a pretty decent. I guess my my initial thought of around half was overestimating. Seems to be. I mean, there, there's probably gonna be a range from thirty to forty-five ish, maybe for each team, based on two sample sizes. <laughs> maybe if you look it up more, you'd probably find something. But there's probably data on this from somewhere. Yeah. Which we haven't discovered yet. Nope. Or well, haven't looked for. I haven't really looked. I either. could probably find it somewhere. So the NFL gets underway tonight. And uh, as we mentioned, Buffalo at uh, at at uh, Los Angeles for the Rams, and two teams that have a lot of people thinking those could be two teams that start the season and two teams that end the season. Except that's never happened ever. 
I'm really? pretty sure. I'm just going to say it's never happened and just going to go with that. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure it's never happened. Teams that have faced each other in week one faced each other in the final? Probably not. I'm I'm pretty sure there there have been Super Bowl previews, so to speak, in the regular season. There's been several. True. But this kind of thing where I say, oh, week one Super Bowl preview, question mark? No. We all think it's likely to happen. But that's the trick is that what you think is going to happen is rarely what's going to happen. How many of you had the Bengals and the Rams in the Super Bowl last year? Definitely not the Bengals. Yeah. Nobody had the Bengals. Very few people would have had the Rams. Like People liked the Rams, but it was the Packers, the Bucks. Some people are probably the Cowboys because they always get thrown in there. 49ers. Probably probably the Packers, Buccaneers, and 49ers were probably all liked more than the Rams. Maybe not the 49ers, but at least the Buccaneers and Packers. True. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd give you that. So all that being said, coming into this season, um, it, we kind of alluded to this earlier, and I don't know if your opinion has changed much, but for me, this is a really difficult NFL season to predict. I might want to initially say, well, the Rams have all that experience and all these veterans, but there's serious questions about Stafford's elbow yeah, and his arm. Now, that's going to be an issue early in the season. Will it be an issue late in the season? Eh, probably not. It's not going to get any better. That's the problem with injury. Like, if, it's, if it's lingering now, it's going to be lingering in Week 17 because he's got to use it. Right, unless they force him out and keep him on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you look up and down a lot of different teams, and either they have historically missed on expectations, they have injuries at key positions, they have uh, you know, just there's always some questions about how legitimate they really are there's hype at the beginning of the season, but they never live up to it late in the season. So uh, it's for me, just looking at this NFL season, it's been really hard for me to try to figure out like who I think is going to be there in the end. I, I really have a hard time trying to predict who's going to win the NFC, who's going to win the AFC. So I feel like in order, the three teams you were thinking of were the Chargers, Buccaneers, and Cardinals. <laughs> so it feels like you were talking about never live up to expectations, Questions on injuries, the Buccaneers offensive line and the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> beginning of the season, but never the end of the season. Uh, that pretty well describes all three of those teams. <laughs> so, yeah, had, I don't know if that's actually what you were thinking of, but it's what it felt like. You were this, like, I was going through, like, oh, that's that team, that's that team. Uh, yeah, throwing it, but, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, but again, you're meeting expectations. But you're right. There are those different concerns for each of the teams. Like, when you pointed those out, there's a team that fits the bill, and you could keep going. Um, for me, the NFC is the trickiest to predict because there's not a single team that I actually really like. The Rams are the closest, but they have, you know, there's Stafford. There's just concerns any depth, any injury hits them, they're in big trouble because, you know, if you F them picks, guess what you don't have? Depth. That's what a lot of these first-round picks are, first, second, third-round picks are for. They give you some starters and then depth. Now they don't have that because they wanted to sign Bobby Wagner and Cooper Cup and spend all this money on their, like, six stars. Well, now what do you have after that? Nothing. Yeah. So if they all stay healthy, they'll be great. If they don't, 
it's it's going to go downhill fast. Not a lot of depth there. I uh, want to get your predictions for the upcoming NFL season, which kicks off tonight, 435-339-0321, here on the Full Court Press. The people have spoken. Steel-coated epoxy floors of Cache Valley has been voted gold medal winner for 2022 Best of Northern Utah for the second year in a row. Known for their extremely durable floor coating systems, they can completely transform your concrete. Garages and shops, porches and patios, they coat it all. With over 25 years of operation, Steel Coated Epoxy Floors is Cache Valley's premier coating professionals. Contact Steel Coated Floors of Cache Valley today. Find them online at steelcoatedfloors.com. Boys and Girls Club of Northern Utah invites you to form a team and play in their second annual scramble for the Structured Golf Tournament. It's set for October 3rd, 10 a.m. at the Logan Golf and Country Club. The $1,000 foursome fee includes golf, cart, and prime rib lunch after. All proceeds go towards creating a new Boys and Girls Club structure in Cache County. Contact the club in Brigham City or call Jenny Schultz at 435-723-6224. That's the Boys and Girls Club Scramble for the Structure Golf Tournament, October 3rd. DD Auto and Salvage is going to pay you the most for junk vehicles. You can get rid of your junk vehicles today. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787-1204. That's 787-1204. Today. See store for details. Join the show by calling 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Napa Gold Filter Sale going on right now at Napa Auto Parts. But they got more going on there than just that, like Seafoam Motor Tune-Up for $6.99 a bottle. All oils from Napa, Valvoline, Schaefer, Amsoil, Chevron, and Shell are all in stock right now. They've got great deals throughout the store. Go check it out through September 15th at your locally owned Preston to Providence Napa Auto Parts stores. Uh, so last little bit here. We'll, we, we can continue this conversation into next hour, but um, trying to predict the NFL like, even though there is that uh, the elbow situation with Stafford, I still think the Rams are probably the, the likely front runner in the NFC coming into this season. Um, but for the AFC, I don't know. I, I, I If I had to, I would probably say Buffalo. I know it's like this is the first game. It's a preview of the Super Bowl. It, you're, it's likely not to happen. But I still like Josh Allen and what Buffalo's doing to their roster. Yeah, well, Buffalo's a front runner for a reason, but the thing with the AFC is kind of the opposite of the NFC, at least in my mind. Where the NFC, there's not a team I like. There's almost too many teams in the AFC. You've got the Bills, we like them, like the entire AFC West. Uh, you can throw the Bengals in there. The Ravens are probably going to be a big, mm-hmm. you know, resurgent team, provided no, Lamar be. stays healthy. So there's a lot of teams in the AFC, what, six or seven maybe? I don't know if that's the exact number, but it's somewhere around there. Where you think, oh yeah, they could pretty, they all you could see going to the Super Bowl, and so that that makes it really hard. Whereas you mentioned the Rams, they kind of have to be, even though I don't like predicting people to go back to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, uh, it's just going to be an interesting field. I think it's it's uh, a lot for up for grabs this year in the NFL, which will make for a really really fun season.
Stick around. We'll continue to talk about that and more about the Aggies next hour. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The wait for NFL football is finally over. Bills-Rams kick off the season tonight, a potential Super Bowl preview. How many times will we hear that tonight? L.A. took home the trophy last season, but there are concerns. There hasn't been a back-to-back champ since the Patriots did it in the early 2000s. Matthew Stafford has an elbow issue. The offensive line has question marks, but a win tonight could help prove that, despite flaws, the Super Bowl hangover isn't likely hovering over L.A. Then there are the Bills. They're listed as the favorites to win the Super Bowl, but the team lost offensive coordinator Brian Dable and the back end of Buffalo's defense isn't in great shape right now, but they are Super Bowl favorites. Predicting games early on in the season is difficult, but with teams having elite talent and some noticeable concerns, tonight's matchup could do a lot in terms of helping us decide on a Super Bowl favorite heading in to the new year. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 